Uh, as we come to the sermon time, uh, it's Provision Sunday. Last week was Vision Sunday. If you're new to Green Tree, we take a couple of, of Sundays every fall. Uh, and Vision Sunday last week, we, we celebrated and we looked at, at what God's doing at Green Tree. Uh, we thanked Him for uh, the way in which he's, he's working in people's lives. We had a couple of life stories uh, that celebrated that. Uh, and that was also kind of a, a benchmark for us to look forward into 2011 and to commit ourselves this Sunday on Provision Sunday for uh, providing for the stewardship and the financial need of the ministries at Green Tree. And so we, we do that in the context uh, of seeking God's direction for us. And so before we jump into this study in, in 2 Corinthians this morning, I just want to remind you of one very simple detail, which you probably already know if you've looked at any of the information that we've sent you. And, and the simple message this morning is, fundamentally, the 2011 budget is the same as 2010. Uh, our leadership, our elders, our staff, uh, the folks on the finance team have worked very hard to uh, streamline everything that we do. We want to spend every penny as wisely as we possibly can. Uh, and so we want to uh, we want to do all we can to uh, to be wise in the way we we use our resources. So as you'll see, there's about a $17,000 increase. That's because we have some insurance costs and things that are fixed that we uh, can't control. Uh, but as, as a leadership, we believe that God wants us to continue doing the ministry that he's called us to. We believe we have uh, the right staff in place. We believe we have the right uh, ministries moving forward. And so we want to continue that. So what you have probably already seen in letters and emails, and now just as a reminder this morning, uh, that's our plan for the budget for next year. Now, those are the details. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, what, what uh, God's Word has to say to us about uh, our relationship with Him as it pertains to being part of His provision uh, for ministry in and through Green Tree Community Church. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, and in just a minute, I'm going to read for us the first five verses. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen in, in just a second. Uh, during the, the 14th century in Europe, if you, if you had to take European histories, uh, that century may stand out in your mind. Because it was during the 4th century that the Black Plague, what we later science and medicine discovered was actually the bubonic plague, swept across Europe uh, and wiped out a full third of the population. Uh, it was one of the worst disasters the European continent had ever seen. During that century, uh, as that plague sp uh, spread, People by the droves were leaving cities like, like Berlin uh, and Paris and other large metropolitan areas to try to get out into the countryside, to get away from this illness. Everybody was leaving the towns and the cities except for a small handful of people. The priests and the monks and the local pastors, the people who were disciples of Jesus, who sought to care for the flock of God were actually going the other direction. They were going back into the towns. They were going back into the cities. And, and it wasn't that they were able to be inoculated before they went and they knew that they would be safe and they could help somebody else. They knew basically that they were going to their death. But they said, we cannot turn our back on those who are suffering, on those who are struggling while we ourselves remain safe and call ourselves disciples of Christ. We have to go where the suffering and where the hurt is. It's an amazing story of self-sacrifice. And many hundreds, if not thousands, of, of pastors and priests died during the plague because they purposely put themselves at the disposal of those who needed their help. 
I was in Haiti on a couple of trips during the 1980s, and I saw this, this mindset of self-sacrifice firsthand as we went to a small remote village, and we were uh, passing out medical supplies, and we were helping people, and there was a long line uh, out the door and out into the field and around the building. The other night, we were at the Moeller's house, and they were talking about a similar experience in Kenya, and it could be overwhelming uh, because you know that, that you only have so much, and you can only do just a little bit. But what was astounding to me was that the the Christians in the local church who were in line waiting for their children to get care, waiting for themselves to get care, would get out of line and they would let the people from the village who didn't believe in God, who didn't know what it meant to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, get in line ahead of them so that they could receive the medical care. And when I asked about it, the response was, that's how we show them the love of Christ. That's a whole lot different than me saying, you know, I'm going to go and have a cup of coffee with a friend and talk to him about Jesus. It's a life decision. Where does that come from? How do people faced with such horrendous pain and suffering as it is and have the opportunity before them to receive some help or at least avoid the problem, put themselves in harm's way for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Where does that kind of mindset develop? Michael Tremaine's a friend of mine who's a a very successful businessman of Florida. He and I sat on a board together, and we were in Atlanta this week at a board meeting, and Michael was giving a devotional, and he, and he used this phrase, which I told him I would give him credit. So, Michael, if you're listening on the tape, you'll, you'll hear. I know we don't have tapes anymore. I, I got to get out of that mindset, but uh, I want to make sure I gave you credit. But he said this, being a disciple of Jesus, you could sum it up in this way. It's always having a willing posture to serve others. It's always having a willing posture to serve others. And I like that. I, I, I thought there was a lot of wisdom in that. This is Provision Sunday. It's the Sunday where we think about how can we provide the resources through what God has given us in order that, that the ministries of Green Tree can serve others, can serve our children through providing Sunday school so we can gather together for worship, so that we have ministries that go out into the community and impact others so that we can share the gospel with Jesus Christ. Do we have that willing posture to serve others? What would it look like? If my giving reflected that posture, what would it look like for your giving? Well, I think I've stumbled onto the answer. Uh, And it's not because I'm smart. It's because I happen to be reading God's word. And I think he's given us the answer to that very question. So 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 through 5, I think, directs our attention to the issue of this mindset of what it means to give ourselves completely to Christ and in doing so give ourselves to others. 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 through 5, hear the word of God. We want you to know, brothers, and that's just another word for friends. He's not talking to to just men. He's talking to everybody in the church. Uh, So that could be brothers and sisters, but he's chatting with everyone. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. Now, let me stop there for a second. If you have a Bible and you go back to all those maps in the back of your Bible, the very last map will be Paul's missionary journeys. And if if you look at that map, where you have Jerusalem and and, and, uh, Palestine down here. Macedonia is way up here. So churches in the New Testament that you've read that that are in that area would be Philippi and Thessalonica. So if you ever get that on a trivia question, uh, I get 5% of whatever you win. So the Macedonian churches are up, up north of Jerusalem. I want you to know about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy... Their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. 
and this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray together. Father, as we've worshipped you with our voices, Father, in many respects with our emotions, as our hearts are lifted, as we sing of your amazing grace, now we come to worship you with our minds. And Father, on this day that we have titled Provision Sunday, where we once again commit ourselves to being used by you in this community to share your gospel and providing for the ministries of Green Tree Community Church, I pray that you would help us get first things first. I pray that you would help us understand your word and how to apply it to our lives, not so the Green Tree would have a bunch of money. Lord, that isn't, that isn't the issue at all. It's a question of you capturing our hearts and letting everything flow from that. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this word. I pray that you would apply it to our hearts and our minds. Lord, you know my sin. I confess it to you. I ask your forgiveness. You know, there are, there are a whole bunch of other people who can stand up here a, a lot more eloquent, a lot more wisdom. And sometimes I wonder why on earth you've put me in such a position. But I trust you and know that you have a plan. So, Lord, I pray that I wouldn't get in the way, but that you would use these words to speak into our lives. Lord Jesus, set me aside. You come and be our teacher. We pray in your name. Amen. Paul starts out this passage of Scripture with a shocking announcement. Uh, In verses 1 and 2, he says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, that probably doesn't seem very shocking to you unless you understand the the context. I got a call from... uh, from our daughter, Katie, who, who um, not only is our daughter, but lived at Homeless for a year and so was also our living marriage counselor. And um, Katie called me probably about a month after she'd been in Hawaii. She has a very sincere tone of voice. She's like, Dad, how's your marriage? How are you and Mom doing? And I, I said, sweetie, you know, it's, it's funny that you'd say that because ever since you've left, we haven't had one fight. I'm not <laughs> sure if there's a correlation there or not, but, but that may have come as a shock to you, Katie, that, that we're, we're actually getting along okay. This doesn't maybe seem as a shock to you unless you understand the the context in which the message is given because the Macedonians were in a bad way. There was a famine that was covering uh, North Africa all the way up into Southern Europe that had been going on for years. People were suffering terribly, and the Macedonians were, were right in the middle of that. Now, they were probably doing a little bit better off than the folks in North Africa, a little better off than the folks in Palestine, but not a whole bunch. Uh, this was a crippling famine. And the backdrop of Paul's words to the, to the Corinthians, the reason he shows the, gives the Macedonians as an example is because Paul is traveling around to all the churches uh, that he's planted and started, and he's saying to them, we've got to help the mother church back in Jerusalem. They're the hardest hit. They're suffering the greatest, and we need to collect funds so that we can purchase grain and food so that they can actually survive. And again, we have a hard time getting our mind around this kind of context because we live in America where we can run down to the store and get anything we want at a moment's notice. And this is simply a situation that is desperate. And so Paul is trying to help the Christians back in Jerusalem. And so these Christians in Philippi and Thessalonica are also experiencing significant shortages. But notice what Paul says. I want you to know about this grace of God that's been given to them. For in a severe test of affliction, right, okay, the, the, the famine, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty 
came together and met together in a wealth of generosity. They, this, is, this is an amazing thing because they didn't give from their reserves. They didn't give from, from their stockpile that was in the cupboard. Uh, you know, Green Tree Community Church is, is, is uh, I think, very wise that we've got a little bit of money uh, set aside for a rainy day in a savings account. There was nothing like this in the churches of Macedonia. And yet their extreme poverty results in a wealth of generosity. How is that possible? heard a story of a pastor who uh, years ago received a little bit of extra money around Christmas from a parishioner that said, you know, maybe there's somebody in our town that could use some extra help, and you may know who to help best. So I, I want to give you the money, but just you be the conduit to wherever that should go. And he knew of a, of a widow who had four young children who lived on the outskirts of town in a real ramshackle kind of house. And so he went and he, to, and he bought some, uh, some groceries and he got some food together and, uh, you know, some hats and gloves and things for the winter months. And he went uh, to her door and he knocked on her door. Uh, and, the, and, it, and it's a cold winter, December evening, and she comes to the door, and he says, uh, by way of introduction, um, he says, hey, do you know a family around here that could use a little bit of extra help this time of year? Uh, he's kind of having a nice way of saying, I- I've brought some relief to you. And without blinking, she looks over her shoulder. She's grabbing her coat, which is in tatters and barely enough to keep her warm. She says, kids, the pastor and I are running an errand. We'll be right back. And then she marches him down the street and off the street and down a dirt trail to a family that was worse off than her own. And she said, pastor, here's who needs the groceries. These are the folks that need the warm clothes. We're doing okay. How do you have a mindset like that? Who thinks that way? It's a shocking announcement. But Paul not only has a shocking announcement for the Corinthians, he also uh, introduces them to what he came across in the Macedonian churches that I'm going to call an unexpected stubbornness. Now, usually stubbornness is used in a negative way. He's used it in a positive way. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify. He was, he was right there with them. And beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Now, again, if you put it in the context of the day, the apostle obviously considered their condition, and he didn't expect them to give, to give a big gift. In fact, he probably came to them and said, now, now look, guys, um, I want you to know that th- you don't need to give this time. You can have a free pass. There'll be other times when, when you'll be able to help, but you know, you're not too much better off than the churches in Jerusalem. You know, the Corinthians, they're, they're pretty well set, and there's some other churches that are pretty well set. We can go to them. And you kind of have an example of Paul, I think, being uh, very pastorally and wanting to care for these folks and not overburden them. And I think there, there was probably a lot of wisdom uh, in, that, in, that, uh, in that conversation. And my guess is that they had said, we want to help. And he maybe had even you know, kind of refused their first offer and said, no, you don't, you don't really need to. But notice what he said. They gave of their free will, begging us for the opportunity to participate. They were not going to be denied. It's almost like they said, you know, what's wrong, Paul? We're not good enough to give to the Jerusalem church. What's wrong with our gift? Why can't we participate? Uh, They were going to, uh, they were not going to be turned away. They weren't focusing on their poverty. They weren't focusing on their stress. They knew that the mother church in Jerusalem was the reason that they existed. The gospel was born in Jerusalem. It had gone. What did Jesus say to his disciples? You're going to be my messengers starting in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And the Macedonians are out there on the end of the earth because the Christians in Jerusalem had been faithful. And they said, how on earth could we not participate by giving 
so that in some way, poverty and generosity come together. And this is truly astounding to the Western mind that worships at the altar of materialism and wealth. More often than not, we only give from our abundance and with great caution, just enough to appear to be generous or to ease our conscience. I believe it's almost impossible for the 21st century American disciple to comprehend the depth to which the faith of the, of the Macedonians had gone that enabled them, that empowered them to share generously out of poverty. A lot of you know that uh, we've been to South Africa before and we hope to go back next summer. In fact, if, if anybody would like to know more about that and, and interested in going on the trip, uh, come and talk to me because we're going to go, in, hopefully, Lord willing, in July to visit the township of Samora, which is where we, we support a ministry there that works in that particular uh, uh, part of the Cape Flats. And the Cape Flats is an area of 2 million people who are incredibly impoverished. Uh, and we work, with, uh, we work with the Bridges of Hope folks with the idea of, of tackling one small community at a time. And the community we've adopted is Samora. Well, there are some folks in Samora uh, that are starting some micro-businesses. That's part of what the, the ministry there is, is to kind of spread the gospel holistically through uh, helping people uh, deal with poverty, uh, learn work skills and that sort of thing, along with sharing the gospel of Christ. Uh, and, and they have an organization, much like uh, Drew Smith, who, who's one of our elders here, uh, Opportunity International, where they'll go and they'll give low-interest or no-interest loans to start micro-businesses. And then as you start your business and you make a little money, you pay that back, and then that money goes to loan to somebody else to start their business. So the folks at Samora were going to get a loan to start a sewing business that they, so they could buy their sewing machines because they had no money to do this. And they got together after the offer was made. We'd like to loan you the money to buy the machines. They came back to the the folks and they said, we don't want the money. Here's what we have right now. We have water and we have flour. We can bake bread and we can sell it on the corner. And we can raise our own money to buy our own sewing machines and start our own business so you give that money to somebody who really, really needs it. Friends, I've stood in the middle of the Cape Flats. If they don't need it, I don't know who does. And yet there is a mindset that says we will not be refused the opportunity to be agents of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's a stubbornness of spirit that says we will be part of God's answer in our day, in our age, to those who need to meet Jesus. How Is this attitude born in a person's heart? I believe the answer to which I've stumbled is found in verse 5, which is a revealing truth that we all need to understand this morning. Paul says, "And and this, not as we expected. They gave not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You see, I think for a lot of us in the West where it's pretty comfortable and it's, and it's pretty easy, and I'm, I'm not condemning us for our wealth because wealth in and of itself is not evil. Scripture is clear about that. But I do think it presents stumbling blocks that perhaps others uh, don't have to, to, to deal with and, and consider because a lot of times, you know, we would like Jesus to inform us a little bit on how we make our decisions. Uh, we'd like Jesus to, to advise us, so to speak, uh, on our priorities. We want to make sure the Lord is blessing what we do. And what Paul says here is that the exact opposite was happening in the churches of Macedonia. Jesus wasn't informing their choices. God was not advising their priorities. He was their Lord. 
He was their ruler. He was their king. They gave themselves, they submitted themselves first to the Lord. You see that order is everything. They didn't begin with, now what are our needs and how can we meet those and then maybe if there's anything left over, help someone else. They didn't start with the question, now what do we think we can afford? The first issue with which they wrestled wasn't even, you know, how can we help others? That's not a bad question to ask. That's a, that's a good question to ask. Uh, but as my friend Jill Moeller said the other night in her presentation, and I can, I, can, I can resonate with it and say it's true, you know, sometimes you get overwhelmed with the need. She talked about the day that she served the first time, and she got in the car and she just wept because there was so much more need, and how is it ever going to be met? And I've had that exact same experience and a lot of you have. If you've been on the Homes of Hope trip and you build a house and there's this family that has a house and then you look at all the rest of the poverty and you go, will it ever end? Focusing on how can we help others is not enough. The foundation has to be this. To whom do we belong? Jesus must be our king. Our allegiance belongs to him. And how do we respond begins with the, his identity. Because I believe that, that, that following, him in self, self, excuse me, following him in self-sacrificial giving for the sake of his glory is the essence of discipleship. They gave themselves first to the Lord. If, if I give myself to the Lord Jesus, if he's my king, then, then that pretty much settles a lot of other issues in my life. If my allegiance belongs to him, it clears a lot of things up for me. I mentioned that the, that the Philippian church was one of the churches to which Paul was referring in Macedonia. For just a minute, I'm not going to put it on the screen, but listen to some of these words that Paul writes to the, to the, the Christians in Philippi. In uh, chapter 2, if you want to read it later at home. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, any participation in his spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full of accord in one mind. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Have within you the mind of Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee, will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Friends, what the Macedonians were doing what the 14th century pastors and priests were doing, what those Christians in Haiti that got out of line were doing was not showing their character, was not showing their fortitude, was not showing that they're better people than other folks are. What they were showing was that they were following their king and that they'd given their lives to him first because he set the example. He gave himself to the will of the Father, did he not? As he looked at the cross, what did he say? I don't want to go there, but not my will, but your will be done. And talk about a stubbornness. Jesus stubbornly refused to allow the cross to defeat him. And he went there knowing that he would pay a ransom for your soul and for my soul so that he could make the most shocking announcement in the history of the human race. Lost sinners can be saved. And the disciples in Macedonia... And in Europe, 
in Haiti and all over the world throughout all of history as the church has been born are called to put first things first and to give themselves to the Lord, as verse 5 said. Disciples of Green Tree Community Church, we're not in a severe famine. We're not facing an immediate crisis. We, none of us like where the economy is, but at the end of the day, uh, we're still pretty well fed. The vast majority are still employed. There's a lot less suffering in our neck of the woods than, than most of the rest of the world. And I think maybe uh, the risk here is, is not that we have too little, but that we have too much. But like the Macedonians, we must ask, where is my highest allegiance? To whom do I belong? Is Jesus truly my king? If he is, then I believe a year from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, put whatever number you want to on it, uh, in a green tree worship service, wherever that might be, and we sure don't know where it's going to be uh, a couple years from now, much much less 50 years from now. Maybe in a life story where, where folks are listening, or, or in a worship service where folks are listening to a life story, somebody will stand up and say something along the lines of this. I'm really thankful that the, that the first generation of Green Tree Community Church disciples understood that order was everything, that they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to us, a future generation that they didn't even know, in keeping with how Christ gave himself for them in order that the gospel would come down to us. They gave not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then in keeping with the will of God to us. May that be the heart of every soul, of every disciple, the Green Tree Community Church today and until the Lord Jesus returns. Will you pray with me? Father, in a sense, we stand amazed at a story like the Macedonians who who were in really bad shape and found a way to participate and to give even out of their poverty. And they gave generously with joy because they first gave themselves to you. Father, I I would pray this morning that that we would do that. Maybe somebody here for the first time, maybe they've never given themselves to you through Christ. Maybe they've never understood that salvation is for them, that God will be merciful to them if they will put their faith in Christ. And Lord, I I pray there's anybody here that's, that's wrestling with that, that your spirit would draw them to yourself this morning. Father, for the vast majority of us, it's a question of really renewing the Lord, your lordship in our lives. So, Lord, before we come to your table, before we, before we bring forward uh, promises on pieces of paper for our financial commitment, Father, would, would you just allow us through your Holy Spirit's direction to pray quietly and silently over the next moment or two and may the, may the prayer of our hearts be, Lord, help me give myself to you. Help me to get the order right before I do anything else. Brothers and sisters, let me invite you just a, a brief silent uh, time of silent prayer. Consider that question. Have I given myself to the Lord in in every area of life? And this morning may be a good time just to renew uh, that thought in my heart. Holy Spirit, I thank you that as you uh, inspired Paul to write this letter, that uh, you reminded him so that we would be reminded that the first step is giving ourselves to you. Lord Jesus, now as we come to your table,
It represents that perfect gift. You gave yourself to your father first. And in keeping with his will, you then gave yourself to us. So we come to celebrate your stubborn refusal to allow sinners to die without hope. We thank you that you call us to be part of that. So we come to your table this morning with grateful, celebratory hearts. We pray in your name. Amen.